listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. We bring in one of my favorite guys, a guy who I was toiled side by side in the Nick locker room for a number of years when he was with ESPN. Now he is doing the same great work with SNY. He is Ian Begley who covers the NBA and the Knicks and Nets locally. Ian Begley, welcome, my friend. How are you? Larry, what's happening, man? How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Everybody safe at home? Thank goodness, yes. How about you? Everybody's safe. Thank you, sir. Um, Begley, we got a lot to talk about. I want to talk about the bubble. I want to talk about Florida. I want to talk about the Nets. But I got to start with the Knicks, our our old uh, tag team group. Um, By the way, we had fun in that locker room. We sure did. We had, we, we probably had, well, the best time we had was trying to take bets on how long it would take Carmelo to come out. But, <laughs> but we also, but we also had fun up at training camp because you, you were sparring with a number of the other reporters there. One, one day we're going to, one day we'll just sit down and bring you in the studio. We'll, 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 we'll give people life as, as, as it is to be Ian Begley. <laughs> Alexa, man, no, those spars with the writers are still happening today. Are they really? Change. They're probably worse now because, you know, they look at you differently. I'm sure they do. I can imagine. I can imagine. I can imagine. Begs, the Knicks have 759 coaching candidates. When are they going to whittle it down to maybe three? Well, when is your interview? Are you going to interview? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I didn't make the first one. Listen, some have had two or three interviews. I didn't even get the first one. So I'm obviously <laughs> not on the list. <laughs> so uh, you know what they did, actually? I think everybody's actually gotten the same amount of interviews. What they did was they had like a 30-minute a short intro conversation over Zoom with the candidates. And then they followed up and had a more formal conversation with the candidates and I believe they're done. I think they finished, you know, not late last week, maybe even today, but I think they are done with all the, the candidates that have been reported on. So I don't know if they're going to have an, another round of, of, of guys who are, would be quote-unquote finalists, but they have had their full conversations with everybody who has been reported as a candidate. And the audience loves Mark Jackson and they love Jeff Van Gundy. And I didn't see either of their names mentioned as part of the folks who were in the running. And I know everybody's name has not been mentioned, but I did not see their names mentioned. Ian, it's interesting. Uh, these, these two guys don't seem, especially Mark Jackson, doesn't seem to be in the running for head coaching jobs lately. You know, I think he will be in the running for the net job. I think he and Teron Lou would be in the running over there, uh, maybe Jason Kidd. And I think Jason Kidd also, if Houston opens up, will be in the running there. But with Mark Jackson, I think he'll be in the running over there. My guess with the Knicks was since they didn't view him as a, a, a serious candidate for the head coaching position, I don't think they wanted to you know, maybe disrespect him by bringing mm-hmm. him in for an interview for a job that they didn't really – view him as a serious uh, person for. And they probably didn't want to, like, have the fan base get all excited knowing that, you know, he wasn't a serious candidate. So probably to avoid all that, maybe the same thing with Jeff. <clears throat> they decided not to, to bring those two in for formal for the formal interview process. But I do think Mark will be in the mix in Brooklyn because 
you know, Kevin Durant, I think, is a fan, and Durant's manager, which Clemens is a big fan. So there are reasons to believe that Mark will, will get interviews with the Nets. Ian, is this Nick job uh, Tibbs to lose? I have been told that, you know, for weeks now. I haven't heard anything. That leads me to believe otherwise. You know, there's still hurdles uh, to get over here, even if you're done, if you're through the interview process and stuff, to negotiate a contract and then you still bring the coach uh, to meet with the owner. The owner is you know, obviously a final sign-off. And so we're not there yet. But I haven't heard anything to lead me to believe that it, it, Tibbs is not the odds-on favorite. And, you know, I, I think Kenny Atkinson had legit internal support but all along here, it, it has been Thibodeau's gig to lose. Now, Ian, they we're talking to Ian Begley, uh, basketball analyst for SNY on Carlin. Hard to see him for Carlin here on 98.7 ESPN. Ian, we know, you know the room, you know the reputation that uh, Tom Thibodeau has. Everybody's read about it. Everybody knows you potentially have a young basketball team here. And the rumor is around that he doesn't do well with young players. See what happened in Minnesota, uh, you know, and then with the veteran, Derek Rose was complaining about practicing in Chicago. I also know that he had circled the NBA and watched other coaches and how they ran their, their programs and their practices. Are we looking possibly if he is the new head coach of the Knicks, is he going to be a different Tom Thibodeau than what we've known him to be? I think there will be tweaks. You know, I think there will be, um, you know, different ways that he approaches practice, different ways that maybe he approaches minutes, maybe different ways that he uh, collaborates with different parts of the organization because of his past experiences. You know, he, he was open about talking about what he'd learned uh, from those visits that you referenced, particularly to the Clippers and Doc Rivers and how the Clippers handled practices, you know, sitting veterans or giving veterans a later day, having the younger guys go, uh, you know, between games and those practice days. And I think that you will see some modifications. And with regards to what happened in Chicago, you know, the reports were that he clashed with the front office. I don't think that's going to be an issue in New York because of his relationship with Leon Rose, uh, his relationship with William Wesley, Worldwide West. You know, these are long-standing relationships. So I don't think there's going to be the friction there that you saw in Chicago. And with Minnesota, he was the president and the head coach in New York. If he gets hired, he's just going to be the coach. He's not going to be dealing with the duties of a GM president. So that's a different scenario as well. Ian, what path do you think from your reporting this Nick team is going to take as far as personnel? Is it going to be predominantly through the draft or because Leon Rose is here, because as you mentioned, the worldwide West is here. Are they going to try again to dip into the free agent market, which Ian, let's face it. It's not been very good <laughs> for them. Yeah, it hasn't been good for them. It really hasn't. And there's not a killer class. This offseason, I keep wanting to say this summer, but it's not going to be this summer. Yeah, this really. offseason. So I think the two routes you're going to see are through the draft, and then you're going to see the Knicks maybe throwing um, big money but short-term money at veteran free agents or pursuing you know, uh, young, talented players via trade uh, or maybe a veteran player via trade. So I think that if Tom Thibodeau is the coach, I think you're going to see a heavy veteran presence on the roster. It's not like they're going to roll the balls out and have a bunch of 19, 20, 21-year-olds uh, in the rotation. I think you're going to see veterans getting minutes 
on this next Nick team if, if Thibodeau is the coach. And even if he's not, I do think that you're more likely to see a, a, a decent amount of veterans on the roster than, in, than like a Philadelphia situation a few years ago where you're just uh, you know putting together young players and, and having them learn on the fly. I think it's going to be a mix here with Leon Rose uh, running the show. Yeah, it, it, I agree with you. I think that kind of leads to more veterans, uh, to be honest with you, with him here. I agree with you. I, re- I really do. Um, and let's talk about the Nets for a second. They really were decimated by this COVID-19 virus, decimated by injuries, obviously, to Kyrie. And, and we knew Kevin Durant wasn't going to play this year. But now going into this this postseason under the restart of the NBA, I mean, you know, if you're a Nets fan, you're kind of hoping they hold on to the seventh spot. I mean, Ian, they could not make the playoffs at all. Yeah, they might not. They might not. And, and you know, the interesting thing here is you have a coach in Jock Vaughn who is auditioning for the job, right, mm-hmm. the long-term job. So um, he's going to want to put his best foot forward, and he's going to want to compete. And it's clear to me, and they've said this publicly in the aftermath of signing Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley, it's clear to me after you sign those guys, they're trying to win games. I don't think you're trying to tank. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Jack Vaughn handles his rotations, uh, what kind of system he's able to implement with the new personnel, and how they're able to perform in that such a foreign environment in the bubble down there. Because uh, Sean Marks has said Jack Vaughn's not going to be judged on wins and losses down there. But I think he is going to be judged on, you know, the cohesion that the team plays with, the style of play that they're able to execute on the court. So to me, this is a big trial period for Jack Vaughn, even though the Nets are saying you're not judging him on wins and losses. Which means if they're not judging him on wins and losses, Ian, that means that if he does, let's say they, they go out, they go out, they don't even make the postseason, does, how do you bring him back in the scenario where he did not make the postseason, A, and B, if you do bring him back, that means that he's coaching for his job every game next season. Yeah, I don't see I think he, they have to set the world on fire. I think mm-hmm. for for Jacques to be back, because I think it's, I don't know how you would justify that, you know, unless Jacques turns out to be the the um, the most uh, uh, realistic, I guess would be the best way to put it, most realistic candidate for you after you talk to other coaches like Toronto, Lou, Mark Texas. If you can't come to an agreement with those guys, and Jacques is the best, most realistic option, you know, I could see that. But if they don't win down there. And then you bring Jock back. Yeah, I think you would have some people scratching their head. So I understand what Sean was saying. I think maybe part of it was just to keep people from talking about every game down there, like Jock was coaching for some future. Maybe he wanted to tamp that down. But I don't see how he makes a strong case for himself long-term if they don't win some games down there. Last thing, Ian. Uh, speaking of down there, the bubble, Florida, how concerned is the NBA? I know they're trying to do this bubble thing. I know, but you've get you getting. We've mentioned a number of players who have tested positive with COVID. Russell Westbrook has now announced that he's been tested positive with COVID nineteen. I mean, this is like a couple of players away, Ian, for me from just blowing up and being a very negative situation. As even though they're trying to do the best they can to move forward. Look, I mean, this is there's a lot of uncertainty. I think there's uncertainty with everything everybody does these days. But you know, the NBA obviously they they uh, there were reasons why they put all this in place and try to get the games together. 
Uh, part of those reasons obviously had to do with a revenue uh, factor. You wanted to make some money after you got crushed with the the uh, pause of the season and losing all those games. But I think when you t- talk about those positive tests, when you start to see positive tests inside the bubble post-quarantine, I think that's when you get alarmed. We're not there yet. We haven't seen that yet. I'm not saying it's something that they're out of the woods on and you shouldn't be concerned about. But I think once you get there and you get the positive test, that's when you're worried because that's you're past that point where everybody's quarantining and they already did, you know, testing before guys came down to Orlando. So once you get past that point, that's when it has a chance to really – you have a chance to kind of lose uh, control of this thing and it really has a chance to impact your ability to put these games on down in Orlando. We haven't seen that yet. We're not there yet. Hey, Begley, keep up the great work on SNY. We'll talk soon, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Larry, it was great talking to you, pal. I'll talk to you soon. All right, same here. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks, Ian. 1-800-919-3776. Ian Begley on the Knicks. What are your thoughts about the Knicks? Heard what he said about Mark Jackson? You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.